Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another installment of Baseline Banter, the Indiana Daily Student Baseball Podcast. This is the latest episode and the last episode of the season as the school year winds down. And today I'm joined by my fellow beat reporter, Jared Raiden. How's it going, Raiden? Living the dream, kind of can't wait to be done. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And uh, this week we're joined by, some would call him a friend, I wouldn't, but a fellow employee, co-worker. Austin Ocampo would call him a friend. Austin Ocampo would call you a friend, but nobody else. Uh, Cameron Drummond, what's up, Cam? I think we're friends. I know I'm friends with Jared, at least. I guess maybe our relationship's taken a turn since we last spoke about 10 minutes ago. What but, a, yeah. We were not friends 10 minutes ago, but why don't you explain why you're on the on the podcast instead of talking about our friendship? Right. So, well, I, our friendship is an integral part of why I'm on the podcast, because obviously myself and Stefan covered baseball for the IDS last year during that 2018 season. Uh, I've kept up with the team a little bit, you know, filled in for that Penn State series. If any of you guys read my recap or my coverage of Bob Knight returning to Bloomington a couple weeks ago at IDSnews.com slash sports. And uh, also, I'll be filling in for Jared and Stefan this Sunday, be writing the recap from the end of the Indiana-Minnesota series. But yeah, you can still find me occasionally uh, at Bart Kaufman Field checking out the action. I also cover IU basketball, cover IU football, Journal Gazette up in Fort Wayne, uh, inside Cam, the hall. we didn't need your biography. Look, your if you're going you to give me the chance to plug my work, we're going to do the plug <laughs> walk to its full extent here. Wow, that's the best like hip-hop reference you've ever made. Yeah, so can we be friends? Plug walk? Is that like a dance or something? Yeah, it's, it's a song. Yeah, it's a song. It must be behind my generation. Blog. It's not by blue. It's not by Blueface. So no, don't worry I don't about, care it. about it. <laughs> it's not Luke Combs or Blueface. It's dumb. <laughs> well, you know who also isn't Luke Combs or Blueface? IU baseball. Yeah, that is indeed true. Uh, so, yeah, IU baseball. Another win against Ball State. Uh, They're nine and zero now against Indiana, Indiana teams. Schools, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 2-0 against Ball State after a win at Victory Field on Tuesday. IU now 28-13 and on the season, 9-3 and in conference play. That Ball State game was not a conference game for those of you keeping track at home. But the biggest part of the game, uh, despite the win, uh, ends up being the injury to Matt Lloyd. Ninth inning, he strikes the first guy out, has a 1-2 and two count on the second guy looking to close out the win. Ends up getting some back tightness. Jeff Mercer said it was more so precautionary. But, Jared, we'll start with you. I mean, moving forward... That's a guy that does everything for IU. A great bat. Somewhat, I would argue, an even better pitcher than he is a hitter. What What do you think the move should be? At least looking at this Minnesota series, do you keep him playing both? I mean, how how do you go about this injury? I mean, I don't think you can rush him back in too fast. I mean, he's like he's lining up to be one like one of the candidates for the Big Ten Player of the Year. I mean, he's raking the ball offensively. He has like 14 home runs. Uh, 30-something RBIs, and he's pitching at an outstanding rate. So you can't rush back one of your most versatile players. You have guys like Scotty Bradley that can fill in at first base if need be. With I mean, obviously you've got an outstanding infield, an outstanding outfield, and you've got options in the bullpen that show they can be consistent. I mean, whether that be like a Connor Manis um, or a Cam Beechamp or something like that, you have guys that could fill in for Lloyd in the meantime while he recovers to get fully healthy. Yeah, I mean, right now Matt Lloyd has a one one thirty eight ERA and he's hitting three twenty five with thirteen home runs and forty two RBIs. I mean, he's literally doing everything that IU could ask from him. And I mean, Cam, last season we saw how good Matt Lloyd could be. I mean, going into this year, you covered that Penn State series, you saw him pick up two saves. I mean, just 
just how big of an impact does Matt Lloyd have on his team? Right. Well, yeah, I was going to say, forget last season. Matt Lloyd was the guy who Jeff Mercer, after that Penn State series, called you know the consummate Hoosier, the absolute perfect Hoosier, the guy he wants to go into battle with day in and day out because it wasn't just you know shutting down the Nittany Lions and picking up those saves to critically win a series that, man, if you lose a series to Penn State, like that's that's embarrassing one, and also that hurts your conference chances for sure because those should be you know at least an automatic series win. But also, you know, he was getting the clutch hits in that doubleheader that they played on Saturday, I want to say. I think it was a doubleheader on Saturday, yeah. Penn State series? Yes. Yeah, it was a Saturday. It was a Saturday. Yeah, it was a Saturday. Yeah, because you definitely want to see him not only return back to form, but like Jared said, you can't rush him back because of how important he is to this team. And also basically where Indiana's positioned right now, top of the Big Ten, it'd be great to, you know, win the regular season and to finish, you know, top two, top three in conference. But this is a team that's going to make the NCAA tournament. They're probably going to get a pretty high seed being, you know, maybe a two seed in a regional against a tough one seed. We've seen some projections to be what? Mississippi State. Yeah, I Louisville. Louisville. Consistent. So you got to play the long game here. Like you can't be so hyper focused on just this one weekend series against Minnesota that you're going to jeopardize what happens the rest of the season. But also, I do want to bring up a point that I think YouTube be better served to to provide me like an answer with. So he's pitching in the bottom of the ninth against Ball State, right? Matt Lloyd is. Yeah. The Hoosiers are up nine to three. Why is he I, pitching? I I think when he when he started warming up and planning on coming into the game, it was four to three. So right, and that's it was before you had a yeah, bunch of runs in the ninth. Safe. So in that situation, you're either having Connor Manis go out for fourth inning, which maybe he wasn't comfortable doing at that point, that's fair. or no one else is warmed up. So I think that's, that's why Lloyd went, Lloyd went into it. I don't know if Lloyd had any type of tightness before that inning. That If, if you told me he did have some tightness, then then I would maybe say, okay, well, then why is he I mean, he was situation? playing the rest of the game fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he had an RBI in the top half of the, of the yeah, nine. Yeah, positionally, he yeah. was fine. Yeah, so I think, I think it was just how it all played out that, there was really no other option at that point to right. bring someone else in the pitch. I mean, we've seen Manis started some games last year. He can go four or five innings. I don't know if it was maybe Mercer was just more comfortable. And I mean, maybe you know, you just don't know what's going to happen out there. Sometimes it just happens you can't do anything. I mean, a Chicago Bulls fan, I saw what happened to D Rose. Okay, like, why do we just, work Derrick Rose into this podcast? We always have to work Derrick Rose into right. the podcast. But I just think it's fair to at least it's like not necessarily be critical or call someone out yeah. for it. But it's just like if you, ideally you don't need Matt Lloyd pitching in a game you're up by six runs in against Ball State. If you're looking at the box score, it's easy to criticize Mercer for that decision. But I think in the flow of the game, how things were going, I think it was pretty obvious in that situation that it was just going to be Lloyd. I mean, I, I was listening to the game on the radio and in the eighth inning. Uh, in the top half of the eighth, Greg Murray was mentioning that maybe uh, Lloyd comes out and pitches the eighth and the ninth. So, yeah. I mean, it's just I think that's just how comfortable I use with Lloyd, and they like I mean, what an innings of work or an inning of work to kind of get yourself either at least some some play on the mound and get yourself ready for the weekend series with Minnesota. I I, would, I wouldn't criticize Mercer too and, much. And, and for against it. Michigan State, when Tanner Gordon went out to injury, he had to burn Tommy Summer, a guy that yeah. maybe comes in and throws some innings in the middle of a game or even starts the Tuesday game. I mean, he had to use Manis a lot on uh, Tuesday night when Beerman kind of just struggled early, and he didn't struggle, but he just couldn't go as long as maybe someone would have expected yeah. him to. And you got this Minnesota series this weekend, so I mean, you want to go with the, the the guy you trust the most. Matt Lloyd's going to get in and get out most of the time. And you don't want to have to burn any other guys like a Grant Sloan or Cam Beachamp, you know, save them for this weekend so they don't have to worry about pitching innings in a meaningless Tuesday game against Ball State. You thought that was a meaningless game? It's Ball State. I mean, if you think about it, isn't every non-conference game meaningless Boom if you really think dynamite. about it? If you throw well, not the Kentucky it. and Louisville games. I mean, those That's are going to be big. Yeah, but a, a game against Ball State a week after you already played them once, I yeah. mean, 
big old boom goes the dynamite. Yeah. Today. But, I mean, just to talk about Lloyd, I mean, last year he was the second-team All-American uh, chosen by Collegiate Baseball, All-Big Ten first team last year, uh, a great quality Canadian from Okotoks, Alberta, Canada. There's just, only quality Canadians. I really just wanted to say Okotoks, Alberta, Canada. But, I mean, shout out moving Steve forward. Lloyd. It, <laughs> shout out Steve Lloyd, a big fan of the content. But moving forward, uh, Cam, if IU doesn't have Matt Lloyd for whatever, I mean, maybe maybe even precautionary, just don't have him pitch. Right. Or, I mean, whatever they decide to do with him because of this injury. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are some arms out of this bullpen, or how confident are you in this bullpen to be able to fill that void? Well, if you asked me that question maybe two or three weeks ago, I probably would have said not super confident just because even something that Jeff Mercer was admitting to at the back end of that Penn State series was just the fact that Indiana's bullpen didn't quite mature, didn't quite get into the position where he would have liked to have it like to have it to be a strength of the team. It was more of a, a weakness or something he didn't want to quite deal with. Um, just something I've noticed just observing the team this season seems to be it's not particularly deep. And I don't know if that's something that seems to be a concern. I mean, I feel like the people who pitch are good and are really well suited to giving you several innings of work and coming in and shutting down whatever they need to do. But also, it doesn't seem like Mercer has dipped very far in terms of getting a lot of guys, you know, actual game time or actual rotation or something like that. I mean, I think you look at it, I mean, a guy like Braden Scott is really, I mean, he came in last night, I believe, when um, yeah, when, Lloyd when Matt Lloyd went out. I mean, Braden Scott's a guy that's pitched in 11 games this year and has a 2.7 ERA. And he's, I mean, Mercer starts to trust him more and more. And Guys like Cal Kruger and Grant Sloan, I mean, they're guys that have been around for a little while. They've struggled at points this year. Their ERAs aren't exactly what I'm sure Mercer hoped for them to be. But you always know that if you need a guy, you can always call Cal Kruger because at least he's going to give you maximum effort 100% of the time. So you have guys that have struggled, and you have guys that have stepped up that have produced more than he expected, and guys that he can still trust that haven't produced as high as they usually do, right. but you can always trust them to come in. Right. Kruger in particular is someone who I've been really, I don't want to say disappointed in, but kind of surprised in about how I thought he was ready to take the next step this season because he was phenomenal last year, not only as a guy who was kind of the bridge between the starting pitcher to Lloyd finishing out a game, but also a guy who we saw go out there and get saves of his own last year and also be able to go out there two, three consecutive innings throwing just absolute flames on the mound. And this year, not only has he been used sparingly, but also you look at his stat line, 18 innings pitched, 21 hits given up, 11 earned runs given up, ERA of 5.50. I think he's regressed a bit this year, and that's been kind of maybe the the main figure that I'd point to and just say that's someone that I would have expected a bit more from this year that hasn't quite panned out. But you are right. There are a couple you know freshman guys, some, some of the transfers as well, that you do feel that Mercer... Whether, I guess, almost he trusts or not, he's going to have to call upon them because if you're going to be precaution, take precautionary measures with Matt Lloyd, you do have to be ready to maybe let someone you know earn their spot and step up. Yeah, because come come a regional game, I mean, you might be playing a nine-inning game where you pitch six or seven guys because you're playing the matchups. And or you get into a situation like last year where you're playing two games in one day. Yeah, and Jeff Mercer's been emphatic about the fact that he loves to play the matchups. Usually that comes offensively, but, I mean, uh, when it comes to people on the mound, you're going to have to have six or seven guys in your bullpen that you could look to on any given basis and say, I can take, I can send them out there, and I have full confidence that they can get the job done. Yeah, I think I think with Lloyd out, I, I 100% agree with what you said about Cal Kruger, Cam, and, and I really thought he was going to take the next step as well. I thought this year the ideal thing would have been your starter goes six or seven, and if he goes six, you have Vanis come in for the seventh, Cal Kruger in the eighth, setting up Lloyd for a save in the ninth. Yeah, It just really hasn't panned out like that, and he's struggled a little bit. But I think, I think as you mentioned – 
uh, Rigdon, that Mercer's been really confident in a lot of different guys, especially those freshman arms. I mean, we've seen McCade Brown get starts. We've seen Grant Sloan come in in tight situations in the ninth. I think Mercer's really confident in a bunch of guys, and I think his approach with them early in the season gave them experience. So now when you have this series with Minnesota, if Matt Lloyd can't pitch for whatever reason, then you oh, – not whatever reason for his back tightness. If Matt Lloyd can't pitch – For one very specific reason. One very specific back. reason, yeah. Um, you got someone like Grant Sloan who you can trust. Who, Sloan family, big – uh, big IU Athletics family with Megan Sloan transferring from, from Louisville to play volleyball here at IU. Make sure you keep up with all my IU volleyball coverage at IDSnews.com. But uh, moving moving forward, I think a lot of different decisions that Mercer's going to have to make, but I think what he did early in the season will set him up for a, for not an easier decision, but a more comfortable decision if he decides to bring in someone like Sloan or you know, maybe he goes back to Kruger and, you know, maybe Kruger makes some adjustments, starts turning around his play, which if he does that, that'll be huge for IU moving forward. But for us moving forward on this podcast, there's a lot more to discuss on this team than Matt Lloyd. Obviously, last night or Tuesday night, they get that win against Ball State. Um, they won 9-3, to but really it was Grant Richardson who had the fourth RBI in the seventh inning, kind of gave IU the 4-3 lead. From there, they ran away with it, got a bunch of assurance runs in the ninth. Or Cam, I should say, you uh, recently did a story on Grant Richardson and Andrew Salfrank for the Journal Gazette in Fort Wayne. Obviously, Grant Richardson spent three years up in the Fort Wayne area playing high school baseball. I mean, how, especially for you, from kind of from an outsider's perspective, for most of the season, I mean, how surprised have you been by Grant Richardson's breakout? Yeah, well, again, the thing that everyone's kind of touched upon who's written about Grant Sloan, not only myself, but Grant Richardson, Grant Richardson, um, myself and Jared for, for your IDS feature as well, is just the idea that the dude didn't have an at-bat in the first 14 games of the season. Like, Jeff Mercer was not, you know, one to mince words when he said he didn't think that Grant wasn't ready defensively to be playing in, as an everyday player in college baseball. But he put him through the reps. Uh, I think he described it as every day when they would practice, Grant would get one batting practice session and three defensive fielding positional sessions, whatever Rotations. you want to call it rotations to get him ready in the outfield. And he's blossomed ever since then because it hasn't just been, you know, the north of 320 batting average that he's hitting at. It's also the fact that he only has two errors so far this season. It's the fact that he's making these diving, ridiculous catches out there in right field that are making us all, you know, kind of scratch our heads in the press box. Steph, I remember there's, there were multiple times last year when Logan Kalitha would just pull some absolute magic out of his bag in center field, and I kind of get the same feeling with that when you see Richardson, just a guy who kind of bursts onto the scene out of nowhere. Obviously, there's a bit of a difference in ages, but who's just come in and really become the X-factor that that no one could have thought of ahead of the season and someone who's obviously, you know, had a tremendous change in the trajectory of maybe accelerating how quickly this team can be under Jeff Mercer. Yeah, I mean, now transitioning to some IDS plugging, uh, another Grant Richardson feature story came from Jared Rigdon. I said that. Which I would recommend you I read said that. that. I'd recommend. I said that. Well, you're not listening. I was listening, but I'm plugging I saw you had, it. You had, some, you had some expressions on your face while you were scrolling through your phone there. I don't know what you were looking at, but I'm sure it's some very interesting content. Don't worry, don't worry about what I'm doing on my phone. Worry about IU baseball. I mean, Jared, you've seen it all year. IU dealing with injuries in the outfield, whether it be Dunham or Kalitha coming back from his injury. I mean, Richardson really just broke out on the scene. And now, you know, when Kalitha comes back, IU's going to have some decisions to make with that outfield. But... I mean, yeah, how I mean, surprised have you been by Richardson? I mean, watching him, I watched him in high school a little bit, especially when he transferred to Fish. Big high school baseball big guy. High school, big, big high school baseball I mean, guy. I watched him in the state title game, and and in the state title game, he 
he was called out to close the game out on the mound. I mean, is like, that I use a closer in the meantime while Matt Lloyd is out? I mean, a utility player. <laughs> I you love. Could also, also be Drew Ashley if you think about it. Front of the, the podcast. podcast. I mean, I, I saw Grant Richardson come in and on the biggest stage and close out the state title game in front of, I mean, multiple thousand people. I mean, this is a guy that's built for the moment, that has no lack of confidence. I mean, he said he was working for that starter's job. Real humble guy, though, yeah. too, oh, at yeah. the same time. Like, he, he was like, oh. when we asked, very, him, He's a very matter-of-fact guy. He's, he's <laughs> one of my favorite people to interview just he was like, he's so matter-of-fact. Well, I asked him about his first hit, and he's like, oh, I kind of just reached out, and it was a little dribbler, you know, a little dribbler, and then uh, it just got the, it got the job done, you know. I was just kind of happy to see it come he off has, the bat. He has sneaky power, too. I mean, we saw him just poke one yeah, opposite he, field. He's not a big, fe- he's not a big fella, but it, he really can swing the bat, especially with that lefty. The lefty swing, that could be so dangerous. When Jared Rayden calling someone not a big fella. Not a big fella. Well, hey, I, I'm not rude <laughs> to talk, but he's not old, as big as Stefan. So. Good old pot con the kettle black there. He's somewhere in between <laughs> Cam and Stefan in terms of height. Which for I, people I at know. home has zero reference because they do I not know what we look like. Tall. There's let, no me, way. let me check his height. You, anyway, you stall he's got, he's got height. power despite not being the tallest guy. And we've seen defensively he's got agility too with all those like diving, laying oh, yeah. out catches. And also, out. He's got a pretty decent arm too as well in terms of throwing yeah, in from really the outfield. Yeah, really good arm. He's, yeah, he threw one, someone out at third base a couple series ago. I and, mean, he was, he's got a really good arm. And he's got a great personality, man. Like all the guys love him on the team. And they were, they were joking around with him after the Iowa series when he was – uh, when he, they kept interviewing him on BTN because, I mean, he was playing so well. I mean, Paulie Milto and all of them were giving him kind of a, a hard time. So, I mean, you can tell that the guys like him and he's producing. He's been, I mean, such a valuable asset. The fighting Mary-Kate Hamiltons of, of Big the, Ten. Of the Big Ten year. Network. And, and AKO. <laughs> Yo, anyways, Grant Richardson is 6'2", so I would match up pretty well. He's 6'2"? He, yeah, he's 186 pounds. Uh, I mean, I, I'm like 6'2", but I don't weigh 186 pounds. I'm close to that, but he's probably got a lot more muscle than I. I it would be... Do you think I could take Grant Richardson on a fight? I'm just gonna ignore this completely <laughs> right now. So, okay, so so who comes back then? So when Kalitha comes back from injury, Dunham's kind of worked his way back a bit, but you don't think I'm you let Kalitha Dunham's not gonna take Kalitha goes to center field. Yeah, you think? Oh, yeah, I think he pinch hits. I mean, before he was before he was injured, he wasn't even swinging the bat all that well. He started. Mm-hmm. He, well, he was battling back from another injury. He started yeah. playing well and then got there's injured. There's a lot. There's a lot. Like, there's a lot that's gone wrong his senior year. One of your senior captains. He was a titan at the plate last year, Kalitha. Kalitha was a unit of a guy. Okay, but when is he coming back? Because, like, just last weekend, he was in a boot. He's still in a boot. Does Indiana need him back? How badly do they need him back? Hey, let's talk about how Ryan Feynman back, though. Oh, yes. Okay, we were going to talk about that. You want to talk about that right now? We're going to jump right into it, Steph. Okay, we're on a deadline. The Manchester Derby is The Wyatt Cross era... It's still over. going on. No, it's not no. over. It's, it's not, not over. He played last night. He played. Oh. Yeah, uh, I think it was in the sixth inning or after six innings. Uh, Jeff Mercer took out Ryan Feynman. I think that was also more of a just work working his way back into the lineup. Don't make him go De- full. Not game. a defensive substitution. No, certainly not a defensive substitution. But White Cross held his own in the last three innings. Listen, you guys are haters on White Cross. White Cross is fine. He's fine. He was a good enough. He he did a good enough job while Feynman was gone. I thought he got better as the season went on in terms of defensively. His bat, I mean, it was a little inconsistent at the plate, but Ryan Feynman back. I mean, that's one of your captains. That's it. That's a that's a easily one of the best leaders on a team. Him, Paulie Milto, Logan Kalitha, whoever it may be. But how big is it to have Ryan Feynman back in the lineup? I mean, huge. They, they, when he was injured, I mean, he was calling out pitches. He was helping the coaching staff. So he's one of your. Your top leaders on the team, everyone listens to. I mean, nobody messes with Ryan Feynman because he's just the, that kind of. For if we want to talk about guys that you don't want to fight with, I mean, <laughs> Mr. Ryan, Ryan Feynman. Let's see here. Is, Ryan Feynman is six foot, so a little shorter than me, two hundred fifteen pounds. I mean, I'm not messing yeah, with. Yeah, back and Ryan in that fight, and he had an amazing mustache at the beginning. I'm all, of the year, so. Just for the record, I'm taking Grant Richardson in a fight against me, but that's whatever. 
I mean, yeah, he's just one of your top leaders. He's got a bat. He's the best guy behind the plate. I mean, every day, if you can have a senior catcher behind the plate, especially going into the stretch run, you'll take it any day of the week. Well, the thing, too, that may be most important is we're talking about Matt Lloyd not coming in and maybe having some precautionary rest, which is going to force some younger, less experienced pitchers, whether in the ninth inning or earlier in games, to have to throw for Jeff Mercer's team. And when you have a guy like Ryan Feynman behind the plate being able to manage the game, being able to call a great game, that's kind of something that when I was doing my story, kind of talking to Jeff Mercer about Andrew Salfrank as well, he mentioned that one of the reasons Salfrank's been able to do so well is that he has that veteran head like Ryan Feynman behind the plate most of the time to be able to call a great game and kind of manage how someone goes. And it's going to be no different when if it's someone like Grant Sloan going out there, if it's someone like McKay Brown who has to go out there or something like that. So just having that experience behind the plate, someone who's been there and done that before, not only now, but you know, maybe even in the NCAA tournament as well, may be like a revolutionary thing for what this team can do with some young pitchers if they need to. Yeah, I mean, going forward, there's you can't overstate how important Ryan Feynman is to this team. And he's also a, a good hitter. A really good hitter. A lot of brings a lot of power to a team that leads the nation in home runs. They have seventy two home runs now this season. I'm pretty sure that already surpassed last season's total and they were a big home run hitting team last season too. I mean this team offensively is absolute juggernaut i mean why is that averaging. do you think i don't know i i we've talked about it a lot on the podcast i i really thought with logan sowers and luke miller leaving that they would take a dip in hitting home runs i mean they at, at one point at one point we were worried that not okay not we were worried but we thought that they were too reliant on the home run ball is in that in that maryland series we saw that the offense really couldn't get string together a lot of hits they would just be getting a lot of home runs. That's how they begin their runs. Now they're starting to string together runs while also having the power. I mean, they're averaging more than nine runs a game this season. But I really, I really don't know how. Because and Mercer's Mercer's biggest thing this season has been kind of aggressiveness on the base pass. It made it seem like they'd be kind of a small ball team and just get on base. The, the Sean DeStan IU softball approach of just you know run like heck on the base pass. Sure, but I think I don't know. I mean, Rigdon. Well, I think it comes back to their approach at the plate. I mean. Mercer wants them to see pitches, take pitches, and when you get a favorable count, I mean, someone's going to throw one, whether they intend to or not. That's going to just stay over the middle, and they got yeah, guys. I mean, if you're getting two yeah, O counts, they yeah. got like guys like Cole Barr and Matt Gorski that can absolutely tank it. Yeah, and, and saw, guys like Cole Barr who like you couldn't have imagined last year turning into the power hitter that he is this Gorski year. Gorski who drives one with the scoreboard. I mean, with I mean, that was with full force. I mean, so you got guys that can hit, and when they're seeing the ball, and when they're when they're uh, comfortable to plate and when they're have a slow approach at the plate i mean it it bodes well for the offense most of the time yeah and, and bart yeah. kaufman's one of the hitters hitter sparks in the big 10 for you sure. think it's yeah. a hitter spark oh yeah i didn't I, when i was covering them last year i didn't necessarily think it was that much of a hitter. the spark. wind is usually blown out at park hoffman field i just think like Cam, you, how much did you cover them last year if you uh, listen if you hit it to center field though so many times it just dies at car well, it also hoffman. goes 400 but if you hit it to the left field bullpen Right, I will say the left field bullpen is it's very like favorable. many left fields in the world. It's easier to hit to left field than dead center. What does that field. mean? Many left fields. What about in the Fenway? World? Let's think about it this way: no one's hit the I mean, or- Fenway. If you think about it, it's pretty short. You just got to bomb it up in the sky. No one's hit the orange car yet, though. No one's gonna hit the orange car <laughs> ever. They should the put or- it in the middle of center field. So, yeah, those of you that don't know, IU IU has this promotion. Do a story on this, please. Few, I'm begging y'all. Every few games, IU has a promotion where there's a a car out in, I'd say, right center field, more towards center field. It's a bright orange car, probably about 450 feet away. I mean, it's far. And if someone hits it, then if someone hits a car, they like give away a ticket to the indie indie 
Indy 500. The, yeah, the Indy what? race, the Indianapolis 500, the, the Indianapolis greatest spectacle five... in motorsports. Okay. Steph. Anyways, no, the Daytona 500 is better than that. I love NASCAR. I hate NASCAR. Okay. I love restrictor plates. Bring them back. But Talladega this weekend, I believe. Who cares? It's restrictor plate. We just started talking about it. Anyways, I got Martin Truex. Yeah. Jr. So there's this car. If you hit it, they give away a lot of stuff. It's really supposed to be cool, but no one's gonna hit the car. I mean, Jared, do you think someone hits the car? Is Jeremy Houston gonna hit the car? That's my. That's my. Bet I put a hundred ducks on Jeremy Houston. Hundred ducks. Hundred bucks. <laughs> no, he can't see any of that money. It's an NCAA violation. But I put money on Jeremy Houston hitting it. Who do you think is hitting the car? Let's make our picks. Let me be serious here. Elijah Dunham. No. All right. Gee. Guess we're not going to guess that's a no then. Cool. Nah. Matt, I think Matt Lloyd. No one's going to hit the car because the car is 500 feet away from it's home. 450. Plate. And guess what? 450, 500, it's the same thing. There's no only, one's going to hit it. Only one person has hit it 450 feet to left or to right field for IU baseball in the past two seasons, and that was Matt Lloyd. My pick, who hit it onto an apartment complex in San, San Diego. Diego. The problem is I was in right field, in, not left field. In San Diego. No, I was in right field. You the said cars left field. In, no, the, the, the oh. apartments were in right field. Okay, they're in right field. As someone who actually watched the game. I watched that game while you doing not, laundry. You did not watch that game because I reported on that game. Yeah, I still watched it because I was a good reporter on the West Coast Conference Network. Yep, plugged their content. Yep. Well, uh, I guess we'll wrap up with this. I mean, IU moving forward, a big series with Minnesota this weekend, and then obviously – I mean, we've talked about it on the podcast. You, you before, talked about them a little bit. What what can people expect from the Golden Gophers? I mean, the Golden Gophers are a really good team, a really solid pitching staff. That that's going to be tough for IU. It might be one of the toughest pitching staffs IU's going to face this year. I mean, last year Wait, we even better than Canisius College. Much better than Canisius College, but <laughs> where's Canisius? Is it New York? It's somewhere on the East Coast. It's where I thought Clifton. I think Clifton Moore is transferring there. To Canisius? That's just a pure guess. No, we, that's that's. That's nonsense. You're just throwing that out there. Why is it nonsense? Fact check that. Fact check that. You could just throw it's that just out there. It's just a guess. Jake Forrester Temple. Yeah, I'm going to Philly next year to visit him. Are you? Yep. Your big We're friend? Road tripping. We're both going, actually. We can get me, some cheesesteaks. Me. Uh, what does this Cam, have to do with the Golden Gophers? Mike Miller, Demise Anderson. Oh, my God. Bob <laughs> Fennessy, all, all the oh gang. Anyways, anyways. Yeah, the Golden Gophers have a really good pitching staff that, that I usually have to go up against. I mean... Friday's matchup for for Paul Melto is going to be Max Meyer, yeah. Patrick Fredrickson, who struggled but was dominant. It was like nine and zero as a freshman last yeah. year. I mean, IU, Cam, you saw last year. I mean, they just got embarrassed by Minnesota in that weekend series up in Minnesota. I mean, it's oh a yeah, that huge, was bad. I forgot this, about that. Yeah, I mean, almost to me, it feels like it's got to be like a redemption series. Just how IU got embarrassed. I mean, that ended up being one of the major reasons IU didn't host a regional. Is kind of after that series, things kind of started started to be a little inconsistent. Struggled in the was big IU a two seed or a three seed for the regional last year? I think they they were, three. were a three seed. Yeah, I so that's I, that's the reason I bumped they, them from a two to a three. If they, I mean, if they play well in that Minnesota series and then kind of that stretch afterwards where they struggle, they could have hosted potentially. Yeah, but they, had to get I mean, together they were a top for the ten Big team ten at tournament. some point. Yeah. But I mean, Rita, how big is this weekend series going to be for IU in terms of everything that's going to happen? It's big because it's the start, it's the starting stretch to a really really tough like ten to fifteen. You wouldn't game. consider the Ball State game a, a tough stretch, a part of that tough stretch. If they would have lost it, yes, but they won it and and sem- semi handily. But yeah, Minnesota, and then after that you get Illinois and you get Michigan, you get Louisville and Kentucky sprinkled in there, and two midweeks games and somewhere. Rutgers and Rutgers for wait. senior weekend. And I mean, at that point of the season, I mean, Rutgers might be fighting for their life to go to the conference tournament. You know, only eight teams get in. I about of- to say fighting for their life. I was about to be like, oh goodness, what's happening in Piscataway? Who? <laughs> Nobody's what is happening in Piscataway? <laughs> Nobody knows what's happening in Piscataway. It's not real. It's like Vegas. What happens in Piscataway stays in Piscataway. Piss Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Yes! Continue. 
But yes, I, I think the Minnesota series is is pretty important. They need to win at least two or three. I mean, by golly, if they could sweep it all, I mean. <laughs> You always but, say by golly. Say, what's wrong with by golly? It's well, they're trying to keep very up, Indiana. Well, they're trying to keep up the streak because the last time that Indiana won their first four conference series of the season was 2014, which was also the last time that an NCAA regional was hosted by the Hoosiers in Bloomington. So if they can go they five for five, push it to six for six. And hit a walk-off home run. Seven for seven. Like Imagine if they went through the entire conference season winning every single series. That'd be a heck of an accomplishment for Mercer's team. I think they if they if they beat Minnesota, I think— that Michigan series is the only one that uh, they don't, might not Don't win. discount Illinois on the road. I will discount Illinois on the road. They, I don't, I think know, they don't have Brent Spillane anymore. Or maybe they sold it. I'm not positive. Let's check. Knows. Where's Brent Spillane at now? That guy was good. But he, he was struggled. hitting like he 400, struggled. He struggled against Indiana, though. He couldn't handle the smoke. Brent Spillane is uh, in the Cincinnati Reds organization. Good for him. He is... Uh, <laughs> He's with the um, Dayton Dragons. He's also not a friend of the podcast, but. Right? I mean, he could be. If Brent Spillane, if you want to join the podcast, please feel free to join. Well, everyone, thanks <laughs> thanks, thanks for listening uh, to this week's installment of Baseline Banter and the final installment of Baseline Banter for this season. I will be – let's all let's all plug our summer work. So I'll be in London doing an internship with the Ernie Pyle and Media School program. What company, though? So, Flair Football. I'll be doing some social media work with them, so make sure you keep up with that. I'm sure I'll be on Twitter. Big English and soccer guy. Huge English soccer guy. And we'll see where I am moving forward into the fall. Cam, pl- go ahead and please, Cam, please plug your work some more. Right into my veins, please. All right. So, this summer I will be at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, acting as one of a couple sports reporting interns. So, if you have any desire to learn more about Pirates coverage. I love the Pirates. The Steelers. And everything about Pittsburgh. Penguins. I just love Pirates in general. Maybe some pit football. Definitely. Are we a lot talking of about p- Pirates baseball? Or, pirates baseball. Or Pirates, like. Uh, I mean, some that, stuff on Pirates, like pirates too. Pirates of the Caribbean. I've never seen that movie. You should watch it before you go. Give us give us a story comparing Pittsburgh Pirates players to characters from Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon. He's not played for no Pirates. No longer on the Pirates. Um, looks like I'm going to have to go and, you know, maybe <laughs> Can you name my three Pirates players on the Pirates? Oh, goodness. Um, I hope I hope Pittsburgh is listening to this Garrett right Cole? Nope. Wrong. Been oh, gone for a little true. while. They just called up some guy, Cole, Cole Tucker, the guy they just yeah, called up for the second long hair. Yep. He's yeah. elected. Right I'm gonna I'm gonna elect I'm gonna write the the, the definitive Cole Tucker feature because he looks think like a hype show. Have that written by the time okay. you get there. Um Chris Archer's on the team now. That, yeah, he's the guy who like does all the fist pumps he threw after it, he threw it, at, threw at Puig. Puig. No, no, it was a. They're managed by they former Te- Puig, No, Puig it was the homie that hit home run. Dietrich. Yeah. They're managed by former Texas Rangers manager Clint Hurdle though, so Electric. Electric. And Rigdon, go ahead and plug oh. some. Yeah, go plug, go plug the Culver's you're going to be working at oh. this summer. I'll be working at 96th Street Culver's in Indianapolis uh, because I need money, and that's just about all I'll be doing this summer. Yeah, and obviously uh, Rigdon will still be covering IU baseball for the IDS. Um, I'm sad to announce that I will no longer be covering IU baseball uh, for the IDS once summer begins because I will be in London. That I'm not staying up until whatever time to cover these games, but Rigdon will be. So make sure to stay up to date with all Raiden's work. Make sure to follow all of us on Twitter. Cam, plug your Twitter. Go ahead. I'll let you do that. At cdrummond97. Yes. If you're not already following me, you're missing out on some good stuff. No, it's, he's an awful tweeter. There was actually an interesting <laughs> stat about Twitter, above but we're going to that. Anyway, he's both, just follow Cam if you want, but you'll unfollow him <laughs> real soon afterwards. <laughs> but thanks again for listening uh, all throughout the season. Thanks for listening this week. Obviously, we love getting feedback on what you thought about our podcast this year, so feel free to reach out to any of us in any way possible. Um, 
We all love money and making jobs, so please hire us. Hire Cam. Hashtag IDS hired. <laughs> yep. Or don't hire Cam. We really don't or care. Don't, we really don't care. <laughs> I'm only here to see Stefan. <laughs> you know who I go to war with? Stefan Kreishnik. Yes, I will go to war for Jared Rigdon. And Ben Portnoy. And Ben Portnoy. Ben, Ben, keep doing your thing oh at Mississippi gosh. State. Once again. See you in Starkville, Chief. See you in Starkville. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we look forward to being back sometime in the future in some way or some form doing something for you. So thanks again for listening. Okay. Okay.